Today, 4.4 million Americans file for unemployment claims this week, bringing the total to over 26 million in five weeks. Also, Andrew Cuomo tells those who have been forced out of work to just get a better job, you know, an essential one, one of those essential jobs. We'll get into that. And AOC says people should refuse to work after the economy reopens. We've got a lot coming up and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez today, joined in studio by Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America. Stu, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, we've also got joined uh, via remote, my favorite, the Blaze TV quarantine queen herself, Lauren Chen uh, from Blaze TV's Pseudo Intellectual with Lauren Chen. Lauren, thank you for being here as well, all the way in Canada. Uh, no, I didn't say that yeah. at all right, but. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. It's so good to see you. I feel like since this quarantine started, I'm starved for any type of human connection or contact. <laughs> so it's so nice to be talking with you. I know. We're glad to have you. And as always, I'm glad to get. Uh, see, I don't have the estrogen in the room, but we at least have it <laughs> present here it's the vibe. So I always appreciate yeah. the extra <laughs> dose of estrogen being here. Uh, so about 4.4 million Americans filed fresh unemployment claims this week, uh, bringing the total amount of jobs and paychecks lost since the coronavirus shutdown started to uh, over 26 million. Gallup just released a poll that found that Americans' fear of losing jobs in their next 12 months had hit the highest mark on record dating back to 1975. So a little bit of time elapsing. Uh, a quarter of U.S. adults responded to the survey, and they said that they thought that they would lose their job in the next year. Now, President Trump has obviously advocated for opening up portions of, you know, certain states, a slow reopen. I know that he did have some criticism of Georgia and their plan to just open the floodgates and let whatever happens happen. Uh, Stu, what are your thoughts with uh, this week's unemployment? numbers. Well, uh, so I was in this morning, I was in a, a room actually with with your husband. Uh, he's not cheating on you. It was a meeting. Okay. Um, and uh, it uh, <laughs> yeah, I know you're, you're a little Baby scared. Maybe on the way. I was a little uh, scared there. <laughs> um, and uh, the 4.4 million came up on the screen and we both kind of looked at him like, oh, OK. And I just, it, I, then we stopped for a second. Like, wait a minute. This is the fourth worst week in U.S. history. <laughs> like the fact that it wasn't as bad as two weeks ago or last week is not that good of a sign. I mean, it's it's better than the higher number. You're already becoming numb to it. You do. It yeah. really happens fast. I mean, 26 million. It's 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 unthinkable. I mean, just a, you know, just a month ago, we were having it was 282,000 a week. Mm -hmm. And now we're at 4.4 million and we think it's OK. Uh, it's been a, a rocky road here. You know, I mean, just one month ago today, we were at 300 deaths from coronavirus, 300. And now wow. we're at 50,000. Like all of this has happened so fast. And it's hard, I think, for any of us to keep perspective on it. We all know how bad the economy is. And, you know, the American people have a fight in them, you know, and they want to like I was thinking about this today. All these huge challenges America has fought, uh, has faced over the years, we've had the same answer to, which is like, go out there and fight. Like World War II, we're all going to work, we're all going to war. Like, you know, 9-11, like, you know, we, people like Pat Tillman, like, leaving their NFL jobs and they're going overseas. Like, you know, when you lose a job, you, like, bust your ass to get a new one. It's like, they're asking us to do the exact opposite this time. Like, just stay inside and don't do anything and don't talk to anyone. And it's, like, totally against the American spirit, you know. And I think that's why this is so difficult for people to handle. Not to mention, it's just a massive challenge, every, every, every side of it. You know, I mean, I think, the, I think it is really difficult to control as a, as a virus. And I think this has been a, a very 
tough thing for the whole world to face. And then the economy is, is something that you absolutely know is going to be horrible as soon as you start doing what they're doing. And you have to try to balance that between that and the loss of, of, of human life. And, and it's an impossible situation. But we, I think the American people are getting to that point now where it's like, look, we've done as much as we can here. We're going to have to. We've learned. We've been able to build up supplies. We've been able to kind of get the foundation a little stronger than when this whole thing started. And now we got to go out there and figure this thing out because we can't sit back forever. Yeah. Lauren, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's just it's absolutely heartbreaking hearing those numbers. And they're so large that it's it's really hard to contextualize what they even mean. I mean, mm-hmm. over four million just this week. What like what does that even look like on an individual basis? It's hard to say. And what's especially heartbreaking is that not only are the unemployment numbers just skyrocketing, but we've seen reports that suicide numbers mm-hmm. are rising as well. So, I mean, not only is there financial difficulties that are going around, but there's actually loss of life happening as well. And, you know, there are, there are talks happening now about what it's going to look like when we start to reopen the economy. And I'm absolutely for that. But I think we are going to need to prepare ourselves for the fact that even when we do start opening up again, there are jobs that simply will not come back because mm-hmm. of this. There are businesses that are forever now closed. They're not just going to be able to pick back up where they started again. Um, You know, all of this happened very, very quickly. But sadly, I think the road to recovery is going to be a much, much longer one than we even know, especially when we're looking at things like house foreclosures um, in the housing market pretty soon. It's there's going to be a lot of people trying to sell or or a lot of houses on the market by things like banks. Uh, It's it's actually really scary when you start to think about it as well. And even on an international level, all of the lockdowns, um, people are now predicting that there's going to be, uh, I think, biblical level famines worldwide because of the countries who unfortunately didn't have the, the reserves stored up before all of this started. So it's just I, I don't think we can yet fully appreciate how serious the situation is. Yeah. And I 100 uh, percent agree with you, Lauren. Um, I, Stu, it, it's Frustrating because I do hear, I, I agree with Lauren, but I do hear there's two sides to it, right? There are some people who are, are saying what Lauren says and they're saying it's not as easy. You can't just, you've just flipped the economy off, but you don't just flip a switch back on, right? It takes mm. time. There are some people who say, well, no, I mean, once, including President Trump, I mean, I'm voting for the guy, but including President Trump, who's just like, it's fine. We built the greatest economy in a couple years. We'll do it again very quickly. In reality, I how does that happen that quickly? There's no way. Yeah, I mean, some of it goes away, right? Like, there's a big article, I think it was in the New York Times today, they, they're predicting basically the death of the department store, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, an American institution. You know, you think of all these big companies that anchored malls for all these years. They may all, or very close to all of them, go away because of this. Um, and that's just one thing. You know, we, we tend to think of the, the person who is, um, you know, has a business and, you know, like all of a sudden the, the rug gets pulled out, out from under them. Like one, comp, uh, one guy I heard of that had, uh, had just opened up a restaurant with his life savings in January. Like what the hell happens to that guy? Right. Wow. Like, I mean, like, uh, how does this how does this even go forward? But I mean, you think of all these companies that were, you know, we had a good economy, but not every single company, not every single place was in a good place. Right. We, you know, or every, every single business was in a good place. Especially restaurants. Yeah. I mean, restaurants, restaurants are, yeah. even if there are chains, people don't realize they're operating just barely, you know, they've got their budget and they may make a tiny amount of profit from yeah. month to month, but not much. Yeah, I mean, it's three to 5% profit margin for restaurants. So, I mean, restaurants are so visible. I think if we if you want to give the optimistic case on this for a second, I know that's you know, not nor- normal these days <laughs> to even attempt, but let me attempt it. Um, you know, 
first of all, because of our, co- our country and the way it's gone over the past hundred years, about 40% of our economy is, is government. Mm-hmm. So we are, we, that, that, they didn't, nobody, nobody lost their job there. Like they're all fine. They're all getting their salary. Um, you know, and we have, obviously you think about it, it's like, obviously we're all, all sitting here working right now. You know, there's a lot of businesses. There's still, all the grocery stores are working. You know, the restaurants, a lot of them are still delivering. You know, a lot of people left other jobs and went to places like Amazon that are thriving in this environment. You know, I, I think it was the Wall Street Journal who, who uh, estimated it as, we always say it's a shutdown. It's about 30% of the economy mm-hmm. that has shut down. Now, that's massive. It's not nothing. But maybe uh, when things, if we can get, you know, if we can get things fired up, maybe it can come back quicker than, than our current, like, level of optimism allows. And I think um, there is... When you say open it up, it's not open it up because we can all of a sudden go to a restaurant and get, uh, you know, sit out on the patio. That's not opening up the economy. The economy opens up when they come up with a treatment or a vaccine that makes people believe they're not going to die when they go out to eat. Yeah. And if we can get to that level or at least understand this thing well enough to be able to guard against it, people will go back out. But until they're sure about it, you're always going to have a decent chunk of the population that's going to be so risk averse that places with three to five percent profit margins are just not in business. Yeah. So we need to cure. We need to get over that big hump. It's just a matter of how do we bridge the gap until we can get there. Yeah. Lauren, uh, in spite of Stu's well thought out points, I will say uh, <laughs> the governor of Georgia still just opening everything back up. I know President Trump has been, uh, I mean, critical to an extent, right? He did come out yesterday and he did say, I don't agree with it. I don't think that that you should just open it up the way that he is. What are your thoughts on the actions that Georgia is taking? Well, I think it's hard. And I mean, you know, the governor is going to do what the governor is going to do. But I I would say to anyone who's concerned, specifically in Georgia right now, know that you are still strongly advised to take whatever measures you feel you need in order to feel safe, right? Just because Mm -hmm. businesses are opening back up, that doesn't mean you, we must return to business as usual. We're we're crowding together in places like movie theaters and uh, restaurants. And if you're more outgoing than me, perhaps clubs, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) We are still very much in a place where even if you're going out, you should absolutely be taking precautions. And this goes for business owners as well. Uh, You know, just because you can open your business and operate, that doesn't mean you abandon things like the distancing rules, um, keeping people uh, to uh, to a minimum who are actually in your store so that they can keep that space between them and minimize the risk of transmission. Uh, I don't pretend to be a public health expert, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to be watching this as curious as anybody. But I guess my message to anyone in Georgia is please uh, know that just because you you have the ability to go back to work, that doesn't mean that it should be business as usual. Please try to please still try to stay cautious. Yeah. What how has uh, how has Canada been handling this as compared to to America? What are you seeing over there? Well, we actually, we shut down earlier than I think anywhere else in the United States. We are, it feels like six weeks into our lockdown, yes. schools closed entirely very early on, um, completely switching to online pretty early. And it was, they they came out and said there will be no classes for the rest of the semester for places like universities. Um, right now, police are being quite liberal with fines for not respecting social distancing. Uh, you, you see on the news all the time people, uh, they're having parties broken up. I don't 
think we've um, kind of gone to the extreme of ticketing people going for a drive or anything like that. And actually the premier of Quebec encouraged people to do something like jogging, keeping the distance, but maybe getting out of the house a little bit. Um, we haven't seen any unrest, though, in terms of people protesting. Protesting is just not a very Canadian thing to do. We're pretty, uh, <laughs> You're too polite. You know, we're too friendly. For, we are. We are. For better or worse, uh, the original plan was to open April 13th. Of course, that got postponed. Now they're saying May 4th. It's looking like it's going to be postponed again. Wow. Um, Stu, yeah. you know, you, so she's shared how it is in Canada. Then we have America, where it's just, I, I feel like there's so much tension. You could cut it with a knife at times. There's so much civil unrest. Um, how much longer do you think Americans are prepared? Uh, certainly, what are we? We're five weeks in. They're six weeks in. How much longer do we last indoors? It's interesting. I know I don't know. I don't think uh, I don't think there's that much longer. I, yeah. I, I honestly don't think uh, that's going to to go over well. I mean, I think honestly we've done an incredible job. I mean, Americans, we're not polite at all, Lauren here. So uh, <laughs> I mean, the fact that we lasted this long to me is actually utterly incredible. I agree. Um, you know, look, I think you know we we've seen in local towns around here where we're getting these new restrictions, certain restrictions lifted, where they're they're opening gyms for, you know, uh, you know, and that's, of course, very vital to me, um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, with like private training. What, and which stuff. is, like, is that not the most elitist? Yeah, it's only suburbia. It's, it's the yeah. most elitist suburbia rule. Well, you can come to the gym, but only with your personal trainer. Only with your personal trainer. <laughs> only one-on-one sessions. Uh, but, you know, like uh, restaurants are opening up to open air patio type situations. I mean, it's funny because you get these things taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And as they come back slowly, you almost get excited about it, which is really a huge loss of freedom from where you had just a month ago. Um, if I think two things are important. One we they come out and they say all right they do keep loosening up things that make sense like they they do that and i think that gives a little bit to people to be able to say okay at least i can do a few of these things and and i can i can last a little bit longer the second part of it is stop with the nonsensical crap like mm -hmm. stop arresting people for ha playing catch with mm -hmm. their kids in parks stop yeah. stop dragging people off of buses stop you know that sort of stuff is what starts the rallies right the stuff you know people don't want other people to get sick. They don't want to get sick themselves. They don't want their kids to get sick. We understand how serious this is, you know? So I think, like, to take those steps, that, and they've been dramatic steps, um, has been something we've been willing to do because we believe it, right? Um, if it goes f to the point where they're essentially sticking in your face, like, it's our power, we're putting, we're putting dirt into this, into this skate park, that type of stuff just gets people pissed off. They should be doing the opposite. They should be out there actively encouraging, have your church service in this giant empty parking lot. We'll, prov we'll help you. We'll provide the, you know, uh, you know, some speakers so that everybody can hear it. You know what I mean? Like they should be encouraging those things instead of going in there and giving those people tickets and putting uh, nails in the parking lot. If you can give people some stuff that like at least let them, lets them connect to some level of normalcy, mm -hmm. they're going to be a lot more willing to go along with the restrictions to try to stop people from getting sick. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, Andrew Cuomo has a solution for any of you who are maybe struggling with being unemployed. He says just go get an essential job. It's fine. Uh, first, we want to thank our sponsor, Brickhouse. So with all the people, you know, there's all this talk about coronavirus. 
We've not really talked about the flu, which has been a pretty bad year. Uh, they were talking about that before coronavirus came and hit. And it has killed about, oh, I don't know, between 24,000 and 62,000, which is a wide variance. Take it up with the CDC. Uh, and the season is not even over. Now, one of the best ways to avoid getting sick is obviously a healthy immune system, which is why at my house we use Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, one scoop has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It boosts your energy. It supports a healthy immune system. And obviously, you know, a diet of fruits and vegetables can reduce your risk of many things, including heart disease. Uh, Field of Greens is prebiotic, probiotic. It's a great source of vitamins and other nutrients. Um, and you could mix it into juice if you think you're going to, you're like, oh, vegetables, I'm going to plug my nose. No, you can mix it in juice, but you can also mix it in water. We drink it just in water. We take a scoop and drink it in water at my house. It tastes delicious. It's not disgusting. Trust me. All right. Stu doesn't like, he's a veg the only vegetarian I know who doesn't actually eat vegetables or like them. It's a limiting it's good. choice, yes. Uh, it doesn't yes, taste, yeah. it's, it's not like, oh, it tastes like Brussels sprouts. Right. No, it's actually very delicious. It tastes good by itself. Right now, you can save 15% off your first order with the offer code BLAZE. If you go to BrickHouseBlaze.com, that is BrickHouseBlaze.com. Save 15% with offer code BLAZE. If you subscribe today, you will save an extra 10% every month. You want to do this, especially before flu season and virus season is over. BrickHouseBlaze.com. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, he was asked yesterday for his response to legitimate question, I think, to uh, unemployed New Yorkers who were protesting against the lockdown. Uh, you know, they're saying, hey, what about all of these people who are unemployed? Do they have a right to work, to be employed, to feed their families? Andrew Cuomo, uh, as always, very, very simple answer here, you guys. You're just not realizing it. Here's Andrew Cuomo with your magic solution. Watch. Is there a fundamental right to work if the government can't get me the money when I need it? Is there yeah, you a fundamental want to go, by the way, right you want to, go to, go to work? work? Go take a job as an essential worker. Do it tomorrow. Right? You're working. I am. You're an essential worker. So go take a job as an but, essential worker. But, but the people aren't hiring because of the No, pandemic. there are people hiring. You can get a job as an essential worker. So now you can go to work and you can be an essential worker and you're not going to kill anyone. Oh, I'm sorry. So if you're an essential <laughs> worker, you don't kill anyone. Yeah, you can It's can't. just the non-essential that have the weird genes that yeah. pass on the COVID to kill people. Right. Like all three of us, we are essential workers and therefore are not contagious. We're, yeah, we're immune. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, my, my germs are actually healthy for you. Oh. Yeah, oh there you go. God. That's great. Well, now I really wish you were sitting here, Lauren. Um, but I mean, in all seriousness, what a smarmy elitist thing to say to people who really, at the end of the day, just want to feed their families still. It is hard to imagine how anyone can think Andrew Cuomo was good. I don't understand it. People keep saying it. The polls seem to show that the New Yorkers like him and think he's done a good job. He's overseen the worst catastrophe in the nation. He uh, started the entire process by doing a stunt about, we're going to have our people in jail make hand sanitizer for you. <laughs> Remember that whole thing? Yes. Then he said, uh, he yelled at Bill de Blasio for saying that they were going to shut the state down. Of course we're not going to do that. Three days later, he had to shut the state down. Um, he has been a, it's been a constant, uh, uh, you know, grouping of mistake after mistake. 
I think like because a lot of people in the media are in New York City, they're obsessed with his press conferences. They think what he's doing is important. And I think he's done a terrible job. I mean, this is a this is an offensive moment, right? Yeah. Like and the media keeps going back to the same sort of playbook, which this is the same one they used against the Tea Party back in the day, which is. Uh, people are disagreeing with us, therefore they must be astroturfed. They must be, uh, this, so there must be some millionaire somewhere who's funding these rallies. You're telling me you don't really think there's 26 million people who just got unemployed? You don't think there's anybody? There's not a couple hundred people, a couple thousand people in a city that want to come together and say, we've got to go back to work to feed our families? Of course they exist. They're real people. Um, you know, so uh, this, like, yeah, can you go get an essential job? Like, I, I, you know, yeah, you can. You can. It's possible. But not everybody can. They, they're not hiring 26 million people. And I don't know if you've noticed this. There's not a lot of confidence right now right. unless you, you happen to be Amazon right. um, to hire people. Yeah, they're hiring a lot of people. But not most, most companies aren't. They're worried about staying in business for another week. Yeah. Um, and especially when you talk to small business owners, they have no ability to have uh, awareness of whether they're going to be able to make it through this because the government can't get the money that they are owed to them. So uh, this is a disaster. Um, and again, like people kept saying, like, we got to draft Cuomo. I'd rather have Biden if I was a Democrat. <laughs> I would rather have Biden. Wow. That's how bad Cuomo is. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was harsh. Lauren, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, I think this goes to show that a lot of the measures that are being put in place by the government aren't understood fully. I mean, we see people uh, complaining and saying that we can't open things back up again until we have a a cure for the virus, whether that's Mm -hmm. a vaccine or a treatment. And it's like flattening the curve was really never meant to say we'll just stay in until it's cured. It was meant so that we don't overwhelm hospitals and we don't run out of things like ventilators. So we have more time to prepare it to prepare. And it's a similar thing with the whole non-essential versus essential workers. Um, The reason why only, quote, essential workers were given permission to continue operating was so that there would be fewer people out and about and most people would be at home. So by design, this system was meant so that most people would not be working. So him saying just get an essential job. It doesn't work like that. Or at least it shouldn't if if the reasoning for this plan in the first place holds water. So it's and like Stu was saying, with the number of people who are unemployed, I've seen uh, some advertisements for, you know, Amazon hiring a, a couple hundred here and there, mm-hmm. other um, companies who work with warehouses and things like that. So it's, you know, if, if depending on your circumstance, it might be actual, actually possible. But for the vast majority of people, it's neither possible nor feasible. So this was just a very dismissive reaction to a genuine concern that literally millions of people have right now. Yeah, Lauren, and I, I want to go to something else that that Cuomo said to this reporter uh, whenever she said their point is the cure cannot be worse than the illness itself. And he says very dismissively, the illness is death. And I want to go back to something that you said um, earlier, which is I really don't feel like people are taking into account that Yes, there is death from this virus, but there is also death from an economic recession. What what is the disconnect there? Are you seeing a lot of people not really grasping that? Absolutely. And it's frustrating because when you do, at least in my experience, when you do bring up the fact that, hey, the economic issues also translate to deaths Mm -hmm. uh, and people are potentially saying more deaths worldwide. If if you're listening to uh, some of the UN reports that are coming out, uh, what I always get told is that's because of capitalism. So really, it's capitalism's (laughs) fault. So it's it's really the virus versus capitalism there, which is um, very confusing. But I've never been one to downplay the seriousness of coronavirus. But at 
the same time, uh, if we look at the mortality rate, again, I, I'm not saying we need to open things up again, but I think people need to look at things in perspective just so we can make informed decisions. Um, more and more reports are coming out and saying that because the infection rate, the number of people who've actually had it but were simply not displaying any symptoms was higher, that means the overall mortality rate is lower than we originally thought. Is it? Does that mean it's not an issue at all? It's just the flu? No, but uh, you know when when people say it's either you die or we start to open things back up again, that's that's very hyperbolic. And I think more and more we're going to be seeing that the people who were calling protesters who were wary of the shutdown just selfish, uh, they're going to be proven wrong in very um, very unfortunate ways. Yeah, um, Stu Lauren mentioned the uh, the mortality rates may be lower than we originally thought. We were just talking off air before we started about the this new. New York antibody test mm -hmm. that they just came out the test results that suggest that the COVID death rate could be significantly lower than reported. Now I go to you for my stats <laughs> because you're the stat guy here. Yeah. So can you just kind of like unfold that for us? You're calling me a nerd, aren't you? I totally <laughs> am calling you a nerd. Okay. Um, yeah. No. I mean, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I think I've been I did a show on Stu Does America. Um, where Which everyone should subscribe to, along you. with Pseudo-Intellectual with Lauren Chen. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, yes. I did a show where I defended uh, Trump for, he, he made an initial comment that he believed the mortality rate would be you know, considerably less than 1%. And I, I think he's right on that. I think when we get to the end of this, that's what we're going to find. It may wind up being you know, higher than the flu. This, this test, depending on how you look at it, can indicate it might even be as low as the flu, but much more contagious than the flu. Um, so it's still a, a massive problem. And honestly, I keep going back to this. Like, the flu already sucks. It shouldn't be this thing that we use as a dismissive example of nothing. Like, it's killing 50,000 people a year. If we just piled on another regular flu on top of that, it would be really bad. Um, but it would be something else that we could kind of handle in a different way. Um, and I think that's what most people's point is on it. When it comes to the antibody test, I think, like, the, there's been a couple in Santa Clara and L.A., that I think had some some issues as far as you know, it was a very low uh, percentage of of people who tested positively. That was it was very much affected by a, a false positive potential. Mm -hmm. New York's a different story, though. I mean, and I think it's fourteen percent statewide, uh, twenty one percent in the city. Um, you know, I think you have to look at uh, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut as they've all had massively high rates as sort of one area. Um, I used to live in the tri-state area. That's what people call it. Um, you know, a lot of commuters well, traveling. Um, yeah, and you know the rates. There's no reason for Connecticut's rate to be as high as it is if it's not part of the New York outbreak. Right. So I think, but if, if you even if you look at all that, and this is true, um, it's a much more positive development, and one that I think was obvious to a lot of these a lot of experts from the beginning. You know, the media spent a lot of time saying the World Health Organization just said it's 3.4 percent death rate. They hammered Donald Trump. On him, on him, he was in denial of what the experts were saying from all sorts of people on CNN because of that. But yet the experts really didn't say that. They just said currently right now it's 3.4 percent. We expect it to get considerably lower as we find asymptomatic cases. Um, so I do think it's going to come down. I've been, I, you know, I, you do all this. I, we just like glom on and, and believe what we believe, I suppose. But like the Lancet said 0.66 percent is what they thought it would end up at. Um, I've been hanging on to 0.4 percent for some reason. That's just my own number. Um, <laughs> so who knows? But either way, it's, 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 it's ugly because yeah. if if... It's true. And the antibody tests, which I think are a good development that we're doing this, um, if it's true and it's down in that direction, um, it means it's much more widespread, 
which is good for the death rate, but bad if it spreads. Because if 200 million people wind up getting it, um, we wind up with three, four, five times as much death as the flu. So it, it, it could be a good development. And I think if we can kind of get, uh, get antibody tests going mm-hmm. and, and it does lead to immunity, which we think it does, uh, it leaves us in a position where we can at least start to, un- like those 21% of people theoretically could go do whatever they wanted now. That's a massive, if you can get 21% of New York City to be able to go back to work, right. like that's a huge change in this story. So I'm really, really praying for for that to be true and, and for it to hold up after multiple tests. Yeah, well, we will uh, certainly keep an eye on that when we come back. AOC, she disagrees with Andrew Cuomo. She doesn't even think you should get an essential job. You should just just don't go back to work, guys. It's totally fine. Do what she does and just not work at all. Uh, before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, the Classic Learning Test, also referred to as the CLT exam. Now, uh, before all of this coronavirus pandemic started, you would have thought, like, hey, there's no scenario that exists where SAT and ACT would just, I I don't know, just up and cancel all their tests for the spring. But um, that actually, that's happened now, right? Uh, Now, under different circumstances, CLT would be like, sweet, awesome, we can challenge our two competitors. Um, But be it as it may, uh, CLT has actually been preparing for this moment for years now. Uh, rather than canceling any tests because of coronavirus, CLT is actually tripling their testing dates available for the spring. Uh, most importantly, they are making CLT available to students via remote proctoring at home. CLT has been doing this for nearly a year. They've been developing and piloting it. Uh, their initial plan was to use this as a way for students in really rural areas to be able to take this test, but they are very excited to be able to make it available to all students because of the current pandemic. Uh, You probably didn't realize CLT is a third option. Many colleges are looking at it now as a solution. You can take it in two hours. You get same-day results. That is not like the others. Uh, CLT has been used by tens of thousands of students, hundreds of colleges. It provides the most accurate measure of your student's academic formation. Uh, If you want to register for the April 25th official college entrance exam or the April 29th CLT 10, you got to go to cltexam.com. That is cltexam.com. Back in a minute. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did an interview with uh, Vice News, and she was, of course, asked because she is, as we all know, uh, an economic major. She, that is her, what her degree is in, which I, I can't even tell you how embarrassing that is for Boston University. But she was asked by Vice News uh, about people going back to work and uh, what she thinks about the economy reopening. And she just said, I, why, why would you want to work? Just, just like, don't go back to work. Okay, here's what she said. Only in America does the president, when the president tweets about liberation, does he mean go back to work? When we... Ha- you know, have this discussion about going going back or reopening, I think a lot of people should just say, no, we're not going back to that. We're not going back to working 70-hour weeks just so that we could put food on the table and not even feel any sort of semblance of security in our lives. Uh, Lauren, I want to go to you first because I really I want to get an outsider's perspective. Um, here in America, we hate her. Uh, she's stupid. <laughs> Am I, are we off base here? How, how can you possibly be an economic major and make these comments in a serious manner? 
No, I mean, as as socialist as Canada is, that's she's still talking crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's, and it's funny because it's such a short clip, but I have so much to say about it. She's like her ratio of talking to being wrong is just off the charts. It's, it's actually it's impressive. And I love how at the beginning, just right off the bat, she kind of poses liberation and work as polar opposites. Like, yeah. why wouldn't? liberty mean being able to go back to work it's so confusing and don't get me wrong, i think she makes a point that there are a lot of people who are struggling out there you know working long hours barely scraping by but it's it's funny of all the problems that exist right now in the country things like um, high taxes high cost of living government regulations that are really hurting business owners uh, causing them to scale back on hiring of all the things that contribute to making the everyday person's life harder she's singling out work mm. like, like what of all the things that we could do to make people's lives better which of course we could stopping work is where <laughs> your your mind goes to first it just it doesn't make any sense i, I I, I have no words. There are no words. <laughs> I feel that way about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez often. I, I have no words. Now, Stu, I want to get your thoughts on her full remarks, but I have a feeling that you noticed and had a problem with the arbitrary way that she just started using air quotes <laughs> for random words, like going back to work. Yeah. I was just like, why is that in quotes? I don't know. They're literally a, going back to work. And that would be what we were talking about. Yeah. And I, I, the idea that, you know, AOC is working 70 hour weeks is uh, I, if, <laughs> she's, if she's worked a 70 hour month in her life, I would be very <laughs> surprised. Uh, I, this is it's a, it's totally against the American spirit, right? Like, you know, that's, people want to go back to work. Like, yes, obviously it sucks sometimes when you wake up and, but like it, 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 when you step back a little bit and you say, hey, with the bigger picture, like we, we want to contribute to society. We want to be able to go back and do this. It's, I think one of the most frustrating things for, for people because they don't feel like they can do anything. They're being asked not to. Mm. They're being asked to sit home and, and take unemployment and watch Netflix. And it's like, that is not what the American people want to do. They want to try to solve these problems. You know, that's not always the right thing to do. You know, maybe we do have to, to, to change some things around for, for this time. I understand that. She is not talking about that. She's talking about a fundamental transformation of society, right? Her play here, forget COVID for a second, her play in this election was very interesting to me because she endorsed Bernie Sanders not when like Elizabeth Warren was winning. Right. Right. And that it, after the heart attack, right? After Bernie has his heart attack, it looks like he's fading away, um, not legitimately, but just from the campaign. And, and, and Elizabeth Warren's leading. Joe Biden is still up there. She endorsed Bernie. And I thought that was a really interesting decision at the time because obviously Bernie's the most pure socialist, right? Like he's the most down that road. But also he's the one that is done in a few months, right? Mm -hmm. She has identified herself as the future voice of that side of the party. She is now, with Bernie stepping down, really the leader of that side of the party, which, as you see, is about 40 45% of it. Um, so she is stepping into a really powerful position here. And her, she, you know, again, she, she's not smart enough to have an ideology, but she does understand, like, these little sort of Marxist talking points. And, you know, freedom from work is what she's talking about here. She's talking about something that's changing the fundamental uh, foundation of America, which is exactly what she wants done. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like it the way it is. She doesn't.
Bernie doesn't like it the way it is. You know, uh, Elizabeth Warren doesn't like it the way it is. They like a, a completely different mindset. And, you know, that is why I think it's so risky to it's why Democrats wind up selling on a guy who can barely speak because they see that side is so dangerous and so antithetical to most people in this country at their core. Yeah. And Lauren, it does actually go ahead. Yeah, please. Well, I I was just going to say he brings up a great point about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez just seeing work as something that's not um, not necessary and apparently not dignifying to the human spirit, I guess. I don't know if you remember the Green New Deal, but that actually had a provision in it for payments for people who choose not to work. Mm -hmm. So this actually isn't the first time we're seeing this type of rhetoric for her. They tried to get this kind of snuck past everybody in the Green New Deal, um, passing it off as environmentalism. But no, I think this is just a core part of her Stu's right. I don't know if it's fair to say it's an ideology, but her her belief system. Yeah, uh, that's true. And it's, it's you know, Laura makes a great point there because there this is something that I think has not just been uh, with even the socialist left. There's something in the Democratic Party that sees this as a, a weird ideal. I remember Nancy Pelosi saying something like this at one point as well, where she said, you know, we can't expect people, we can't force people to go back to work and work all these hours. They should be able to step back and be able to practice their love of, uh, of art and music and, and things like that. And it's like, well, that's a hobby. You know, if you're really good at it, it's right. a job. Like, if you're a good musician, you can make money doing that. But if you just want to play guitar because it seems like fun, like, you can't avoid work to do that. Mm -hmm. They seem to want to make that reality. And what happens when you have a bunch of people out of work? You control them, right? Mm -hmm. You are fundamentally giving them every aspect that keeps them alive. Housing, health care, food, money, everything. And if you can get them into that, into that point, they are dependent on you. And so I think there's a long-term thing here. And again, not to reiterate it for the third time, I don't know if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez really <laughs> understands it to that level. But there is a, there is a long-term sort of strain of thought on the left where if you can make people dependent on you, you win, you keep your power, you get to craft society. And that is a big part of it for a lot of people on the left. Yeah, at least whoever is pulling her puppet strings. That's, <laughs> that's their ideology. Uh, before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, Patriot Mobile. Uh, right now, they are trying to help during this really difficult time. They have reduced their prices even further over at Patriot Mobile. They have customized family plans ranging from $25 to $55. You got to check it out. Patriot Mobile does not do any sort of hidden fees. It's very easy to switch to Patriot Mobile. I know a lot of people, you get scared because you're like, can I keep my number? Is it going to port over okay? Am I going to lose my contacts? We're in 2020 now, you guys. It's really easy. You can keep your number. The porting over, very simple. It's the same reliable nationwide service that they can give you. And you can know that your money that you're giving them, your heart, like really hard-earned money right now, I think we've established right now in this time, uh, you can know that it's not going to organizations like Planned Parenthood and left-leaning organizations that with some phone companies, they're taking a portion of your bill that you've paid them and they're contributing to those causes. Patriot Mobile is the opposite. They donate to causes that you yourself believe in, that you yourself are fighting for. They are aligned with you. Switching is really easy. All you have to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash news. Right now, they will give you free activation plus a free gift. Ooh, what is it? You won't know until you go to patriotmobile.com slash news. Get you free activation at patriotmobile.com slash news. Back in a minute. Ooh. 
we got a couple uh, minutes here, but I wanted to quickly touch on Democratic Georgia State Representative Vernon Jones. He's had kind of a weird uh, circle of events. He said that he was supporting, he was endorsing President Trump, but he was not leaving the party. Then he came out and said he was being harassed and attacked by the Democrat Party, but he was still standing strong. And now today he is resigning after the attacks and harassment from his own party. He said, turn the lights off. I have left the plantation. Someone else can occupy that suite. Therefore, I I intend not to complete my term effective uh, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, quite a quick turn of events still. Yeah, I kind of don't understand. I mean, it, it, I don't know why you wouldn't stay in, even if you want to go switch to an independent right. or a Republican, you still could stay in there and finish your term. I mean, I guess. And I don't know what that's proving. By yeah, just leaving. Well, I mean, I'll say well, one thing it proves is that the Democratic Party is, is pathetic. <laughs> I mean, like, I, you know, the only thing more more of a violation than supporting Donald Trump for president is uh, opposing abortion, because that's we know you're thrown out of the party if you oppose abortion. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I don't understand why they there, there's no they don't even allow the possibility of any diverse thought in their mm-hmm. party. Um, and, I, you know, I think that's a terrible thing. I, I would, you know, I kind of wish he would stay in and fight it off. But, I mean, if his family's getting threatened and stuff, I can understand. I mean, sometimes you don't want to deal with that heat. Yeah, Lauren, it does make me wonder, though, what he was expecting. Because you got to know, especially if you are, you know, an African-American uh, Democrat representative, that's you can't come out in support of President Trump and expect not to be attacked, right? Yeah, and it, it's kind of sad, but you're right. This kind of was to be expected. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that if a Republican had done the same, right, come out in support of a Democratic Party, that a Democratic president, that he would all of a sudden become this the party darling. But mm-hmm. what I thought was so shocking, and I actually looked this up, is the amount of vitriol um, that he's getting is really quite, it's vicious and racist. I won't even repeat some of the things I saw, but also no one is actually addressing the points he made about why he is supporting President Trump, right? It's very easy to call him a bunch of names and say it's unacceptable. He's an embarrassment. All right. But what about the points he's making about low black unemployment? What about the points he's making about criminal justice reform? We're not Mm -hmm. really hearing anybody addressing that. Yeah, well, I think maybe because to address that would mean that they would have to concede that the president has actually, that he's right, <laughs> yeah, that, he's right that he actually has done a lot for uh, not just the uh, black community, but minorities in general, uh, along with that criminal mm-hmm. justice reform. All right, we got our poll coming up back in a minute. All right, yesterday's poll, who do you trust most when it comes to news about COVID-19? Now, these were some interesting options. I don't know that there was a great one there. Not surprising for you guys, though. President Trump came in first at 76%. Uh, 76% of you said that you trust him the most. But the other options were Dr. Burks, who came in at 14, Dr. Fauci, who came in at 9, and then the media. Wow, they didn't even register a percent. <laughs> it was 0.7%, which I... I mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that you at least knew that the mainstream media should be at the bottom of that barrel. Uh, Today's poll. All right, you guys, here's your question. What is Joe Biden up to? This is all right. What's Joe Biden up to? Softball MSNBC interview, sleeping or trying to call Barack? <laughs> Those are your only options. Those are your only options. What, what is it, Stu? I think he's sleeping on MSNBC while calling Barack. <laughs> 
Whoa. Mm. I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> Lauren, what do you think? Uh, does he remember who Barack is? Are we sure of that <laughs> at this point? Is uh, I think he's sleeping. I think he's just chilling out. Uh, I think th- I think this was one of the most relaxed presidential campaigns that may have ever been run, uh, and he's still winning <laughs> out of all the other contenders <laughs> in the Democrat Party. So I guess good for him. Yeah, this, this race was custom made for Joe Biden. It, was. it really was. I mean, he doesn't yeah. have to do anything. Like he just doesn't have to talk. He just has to like he, he's the other guy. He's not Trump. If you don't like Trump, vote for him. That's what that's what his messaging is right now. And it may work. I don't know. God, don't say yeah, and, that. And so. the beauty of the the other contenders, I mean, people like Bernie Sanders, uh, people like Elizabeth Warren, is that the more he let them talk, the worse they look to voters. Uh, yeah. So people were kind of persuaded to go toward him. It worked out well. Yeah. All right. Uh, don't forget, if you have not subscribed, you got to go to my girl Lauren Chen's podcast, Pseudo Intellectual with Lauren Chen. Also, Stu Bergier over here. Stu does America. Go there and subscribe. Now that we're done with the show, okay, that's the first thing you need to do is go subscribe to go through their podcasts or catch them on Blaze TV. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.